Chapter Fifteen of Anne of Geierstein by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. And this place our forefathers built for man. Old play. The dungeon in which the younger Philipson was immured was one of those gloomy caverns which cry shame on the inhumanity of our ancestors they seem to have been almost insensible to the distinction betwixt innocence and guilt as the consequences of mere accusation must have been far more severe in those days than is in our own that species of imprisonment which is adjudged as an express punishment for crime the cell of arthur philipson was of considerable length but dark and narrow and dug out of the solid rock upon which the tower was founded a small lamp was allowing him not however without some grumbling but his arms were still kept bound and when he asked for a draught of water one of the grim satellites by whom he was thrust into this cell answered surlily that he might endure his thirst for all the time his life was likely to last a gloomy response which augured that his privations would continue as long as his life yet neither be of long duration by the dim lamp he had groped his way to a bench or rough seat cut in the rock and as his eyes got gradually accustomed to the obscurity of the region in which he was immured he became aware of a ghastly cleft in the floor of his dungeon somewhat resembling the opening of a draw-well but irregular in its aperture and apparently the mouth of a gulf of nature's conformation slightly assisted by the labour of human art here then is my deathbed, he said and that gulf perhaps the grave which yawns for my remains nay i have heard of prisoners being plunged into such horrid abysses while they were yet alive to die at leisure crushed with wounds their groans unheard and their fate unpitied he approached his head to the dismal cavity and heard as at a great depth the sound of a sullen and as it seemed subterranean stream the sunless waves appeared murmuring for their victim death is dreadful at all ages but in the first spring-tide of youth with all the feelings of enjoyment afloat and eager for gratification to be snatched forcibly from the banquet to which the individual has but just sat down is peculiarly appalling even when the change comes in the ordinary course of nature but to sit like young philipson on the brink of the subterranean abyss and ruminate in horrid doubt concerning the mode in which death was to be inflicted was a situation 
which might break the spirit of the boldest and the unfortunate captive was wholly unable to suppress the natural tears that flowed from his eyes in torrents and which his bound arms did not permit him to wipe away we have already noticed that although a gallant young man in aught of danger which was to be faced and overcome by active exertion the youth was strongly imaginative and sensitive to a powerful extent to all those exaggerations which in a situation of helpless uncertainty fancy lends to distract the soul of him who must passively expect an approaching evil yet the feelings of arthur phillipson were not selfish they reverted to his father whose just and noble character was as much formed to attract veneration as his unceasing paternal care and affection to excite love and gratitude he too was in the hands of remorseless villains who were determined to conceal robbery by secret murder he too undaunted in so many dangers resolute in so many encounters lay bound and defenceless exposed to the dagger of the meanest stabber arthur remembered too the giddy peak of the rock near geierstein and the grim vulture which claimed him as its prey here was no angel to burst through the mist and marshal him on a path of safety here the darkness was subterranean and eternal saving when the captive should behold the knife of the ruffian flash against the lamp which lent him light to aim the fatal blow this agony of mind lasted until the feelings of the unhappy prisoner arose to ecstasy he started up and struggled so hard to free himself of his bonds that it seemed they should have fallen from him as from the arms of the mighty nazarene but the cords were of too firm a texture and after a violent and unavailing struggle in which the ligatures seemed to enter his flesh the prisoner lost his balance and while the feeling thrilled through him that he was tumbling backward into the subterranean abyss he fell to the ground with great force fortunately he escaped the danger which in his agony he apprehended but so narrowly that his head struck against the low and broken fence with which the mouth of the horrible pit was partly surrounded here he lay stunned and motionless and as the lamp was extinguished in his fall immersed in absolute and total darkness he was recalled to sensation by a jarring noise they come they come the murderers o lady of mercy and o gracious heaven forgive my transgressions he looked up and observed with dazzled eyes that a dark form approached him with a knife in one hand and a torch in the other he might well have seemed the man who was to do the last deed upon the unhappy prisoner 
if he had come alone but he came not alone his torch gleamed upon the white dress of a female which was so much illuminated by it that arthur could discover a form and had even a glimpse of features never to be forgotten though now seen under circumstances least of all to be expected the prisoner's unutterable astonishment impressed him with a degree of awe which overcame even his personal fear can these things be was his muttered reflection has she really the power of an elementary spirit has she conjured up this earth-like and dark demon to concur with her in my deliverance it appeared as if his guess were real for the figure in black giving the light to anne of geierstein or at least the form which bore her perfect resemblance stooped over the prisoner and cut the cord that bound his arms with so much dispatch that it seemed as if it fell from his person at a touch arthur's first attempt to arise was unsuccessful and a second time it was the hand of anne of geierstein a living hand sensible to touch as to sight which aided to raise and to support him as it had formerly done when the tormented waters of the river thundered at their feet her touch produced an effect far beyond that of the slight personal aid which the maiden's strength could have rendered courage was restored to his heart vigour and animation to his benumbed and bruised limbs such influence does the human mind when excited to energy possess over the infirmities of the human body he was about to address anne in accents of the deepest gratitude but the accents died away on his tongue when the mysterious female laying her finger on her lips made him a sign to be silent and at the same time beckoned him to follow her he obeyed in silent amazement they passed the entrance of the melancholy dungeon and through one or two short but intricate passages which cut out of the rock in some places and built in others with hewn stone of the same kind probably led to holes similar to that in which arthur was so lately a captive the recollection that his father might be immured in some such horrid cell as he himself had just quitted induced arthur to pause as they reached the bottom of a small winding staircase which conducted apparently from this region of the building come he said dearest anne lead me to his deliverance i must not leave my father she shook her head impatiently and beckoned him on if your power extends not to save my father's life i will remain and save him or die anne dearest anne she answered not but her companion replied in a deep voice not unsuitable to his appearance speak young man to those who are permitted to answer you or rather be silent and listen to my instructions 
which direct to the only course which can bring thy father to freedom and safety they ascended the stair anne of geierstein going first while arthur who followed close behind could not help thinking that her form gave existence to a part of the light which her garment reflected from the torch this was probably the effect of the superstitious belief impressed on his mind by rudolph's tale respecting her mother and which was confirmed by her sudden appearance in a place and situation where she was so little to have been expected he had not much time however to speculate upon her appearance or demeanour for mounting the stair with a lighter pace than he was able at the time to follow closely she was no longer to be seen when he reached the landing-place but whether she had melted into the air or turned aside into some other passage he was not permitted a moment's leisure to examine here lies your way said his sable guide and at the same time dashing out the light and seizing philipson by the arm he led him along a dark gallery of considerable length the young man was not without some momentary misgivings while he recollected the ominous looks of his conductor and that he was armed with a dagger or knife which he could plunge of a sudden into his bosom but he could not bring himself to dread treachery from any one whom he had seen in company with anne of geierstein and in his heart he demanded her pardon for the fear which had flashed across him and resigned himself to the guidance of his companion who advanced with hasty but light footsteps and cautioned him by a whisper to do the same our journey he at length said ends here as he spoke a door gave way and admitted them into a gloomy gothic apartment furnished with large oaken presses apparently filled with books and manuscripts as arthur looked round with eyes dazzled with the sudden gleam of daylight from which he had been for some time excluded the door by which they had entered disappeared this however did not greatly surprise him who judged that being formed in appearance to correspond with the presses around the entrance which they had used it could not when shut be distinguished from them a device sometimes then practised as indeed it often is at the present day he had now a full view of his deliverer who when seen by daylight showed only the vestments and features of a clergyman without any of that expression of supernatural horror which the partial light and the melancholy appearance of all in the dungeon had combined to impress on him young philipson once more breathed with freedom as one awakened from a hideous dream and the supernatural qualities with which his imagination had invested anne of geierstein having begun to vanish he addressed his deliverer thus 
that i may testify my thanks holy father where they are so especially due let me inquire of you if anne of geierstein speak of that which pertains to your house and family answered the priest as briefly as before hast thou so soon forgot thy father's danger by heavens no replied the youth tell me but how to act for his deliverance and thou shalt see how a son can fight for a parent it is well for it is needful said the priest don thou this vestment and follow me the vestment presented was the gown and hood of a novice draw the cowl over thy face said the priest and return no answer to any man who meets thee i will say thou art under a vow may heaven forgive the unworthy tyrant who imposes on us the necessity of such profane dissimulation follow me close and near beware that you speak not the business of disguise was soon accomplished and the priest of st paul's for such he was moving on arthur followed him a pace or two behind assuming as well as he could the modest step and humble demeanour of a spiritual novice on leaving the library or study and descending a short stair he found himself on the street of brissac irresistibly tempted to look back he had only time however to see that the house he had left was a very small building of a gothic character on the one side of which rose the church of st paul's and on the other the stern black gatehouse or entrance tower follow me melchior said the deep voice of the priest and his keen eyes were at the same time fixed upon the supposed novice with a look which instantly recalled arthur to a sense of his situation they passed along nobody noticing them unless to greet the priest with a silent obeisance or muttered phrase of salutation until having nearly gained the middle of the village the guide turned abruptly off from the street and moving northward by a short lane reached a flight of steps which as usual in fortified towns led to the banquette or walk behind the parapet which was of the old gothic fashion flanked with towers from space to space of different forms and various heights at different angles there were sentinels on the walls but the watch as it seemed was kept not by regular soldiers but by burghers with spears or swords in their hands the first whom they passed said to the priest in a half-whispered tone holds our purpose it holds replied the priest of st paul's benedicite dio gratius replied the armed citizen and continued his walk upon the battlements the other sentinels seemed to avoid them for they disappeared when they came near or passed them without looking or seeming to observe them at last their walk brought them to an ancient turret which raised its head above the wall and in which there was a small door opening from the battlement it was in a corner distinct from 
and uncommanded by any of the angles of the fortification in a well-guarded fortress such a point ought to have had a sentinel for its special protection but no one was there upon duty now mark me said the priest for your father's life and it may be that of many a man besides depends upon your attention and no less upon your dispatch you can run you can leap i feel no weariness father since you freed me answered arthur and the dun deer that i have often chased shall not beat me in such a wager observe then replied the black priest of st paul's this turret contains a staircase which descends to a small sally-port i will give you entrance to it the sally-port is barred on the inside but not locked it will give you access to the moat which is almost entirely dry on crossing it you will find yourself in the circuit of the outer barriers you may see sentinels but they will not see you speak not to them but make your way over the palisade as you can i trust you can climb over an undefended rampart i have surmounted a defended one said arthur what is my next charge all this is easy you will see a species of thicket or stretch of low bushes make for it with all speed when you are there turn to the eastward but beware while holding that course that you are not seen by the burgundian free companions who are on watch on that part of the walls a volley of arrows and the sally of a body of cavalry in pursuit will be the consequence if they get sight of you and their eyes are those of the eagle that spy the carnage afar off i will be heedful said the young englishman you will find continued the priest upon the outer side of the thicket a path or rather a sheep-track which sweeping at some distance from the walls will conduct you at last into the road leading from brissac to bale hasten forward to meet the swiss who are advancing tell them your father's hours are counted and that they must press on if they would save him and say to rudolph donnerhugel in especial that the black priest of st paul's waits to bestow upon him his blessing at the northern sallyport dost thou understand me perfectly answered the young man the priest of st paul's then pushed open the low-browed gate of the turret and arthur was about to precipitate himself down the stair which opened before him stay yet a moment said the priest and doff the novice's habit which can only encumber thee arthur in a trice threw it from him and was again about to start stay yet a moment longer continued the black priest this gown may be a tell-tale stay therefore and help me to pull off my upper garment inwardly glowing with impatience arthur yet saw the necessity of obeying his guide and when he had pulled the long and loose upper vestment from the old man he stood before him in a cassock of black serge befitting his order and profession 
but begirt not with a suitable sash such as clergymen wear but with a most uncanonical buff belt supporting a short two-edged sword calculated alike to stab and to smite give me now the novice's habit said the venerable father and over that i will put the priestly vestment since for the present i have some tokens of the laity about me it is fitting it should be covered with a double portion of the clerical habit as he spoke thus he smiled grimly and his smile had something more frightful and withering than the stern frown which suited better with his features and was their usual expression and now said he what does the fool tarry for when life and death are in his speed the young messenger waited not a second hint but at once descended the stairs as if it had been by a single step found the portal as the priest had said only secured by bars on the inside offering little resistance save from their rusted state which made it difficult to draw them arthur succeeded however and found himself at the side of the moat which presented a green and marshy appearance without stopping to examine whether it was deep or shallow and almost without being sensible of the tenacity of the morass the young englishman forced his way through it and attained the opposite side without attracting the attention of two worthy burghers of brissac who were the guardians of the barriers one of them indeed was deeply employed in the perusal of some profane chronicle or religious legend the other was as anxiously engaged in examining the margin of the moat in search of eels perhaps or frogs for he wore over his shoulder a scrip for securing some such amphibious booty seeing that as the priest foretold he had nothing to apprehend from the vigilance of the sentinels arthur dashed at the palisade in hope to catch hold of the top of the stockade and so to clear it by one bold leap he overrated his powers of activity however or they were diminished by his recent bonds and imprisonment he fell lightly backward on the ground and as he got to his feet became aware of the presence of a soldier in yellow and blue the livery of de hagenbach who came running towards him crying to the slothful and unobservant sentinels alarm alarm you lazy swine stop the dog or you are both dead men the fisherman who was on the farther side laid down his eel spear drew his sword and flourishing it over his head advanced toward philipson with very moderate haste the student was yet more unfortunate for in his hurry to fold up his book and attend to his duty he contrived to throw himself inadvertently doubtless full in the soldier's way the latter who was running at top speed encountered the burgher with a severe shock which threw both down but the citizen being a solid and substantial man lay still where he fell 
while the other less weighty and probably less prepared for the collision lost his balance and the command of his limbs at once and rolling over the edge of the moat was immersed in the mud and marsh the fisher and the student went with deliberate speed to assist the unexpected and unwelcome partner of their watch while arthur stimulated by the imminent sense of danger sprang at the barrier with more address and vigour than before and succeeding in his leap made as he had been directed with his utmost speed for the covert of the adjacent bushes he reached them without hearing any alarm from the walls but he was conscious that his situation had become extremely precarious since his escape from the town was known to one man at least who would not fail to give the alarm in case he was able to extricate himself from the marsh a feat however in which it seemed to arthur that the armed citizens were likely to prove rather his apparent than actual assistance while such thoughts shot across his mind they served to augment his natural speed of foot so that in less space than could have been thought possible he reached the thinner extremity of the thicket whence as intimated by the black priest he could see the eastern tower and the adjoining battlements of the town with hostile faces thronged and fiery arms it required at the same time some address on the part of the fugitive to keep so much under shelter as to prevent himself from being seen in his turn by those whom he saw so plainly he therefore expected every moment to hear a bugle wind or to behold that bustle and commotion among the defenders which might prognosticate a sally neither however took place and heedfully observing the footpath or track which the priest had pointed out to him young philipson wheeled his course out of sight of the guarded towers and soon falling into the public and frequented road by which his father and he had approached the town in the morning he had the happiness by the dust and flash of arms to see a small body of armed men advancing towards brissock whom he justly concluded to be the van of the swiss deputation he soon met the party which consisted of about ten men with rudolph donnerhugel at their head the figure of philipson covered with mud and in some places stained with blood for his fall in the dungeon had cost him a slight wound attracted the wonder of every one who crowded around to hear the news rudolph alone appeared unmoved like the visage on the ancient statues of hercules the physiognomy of the bulky bernese was large and massive having an air of indifferent and almost sullen composure which did not change but in moments of the fiercest agitation he listened without emotion to the breathless tale of arthur philipson that his father was in prison and adjudged to death and what else did you expect said the bernese coldly were you not warned 
it had been easy to have foreseen the misfortune but it may be impossible to prevent it i own i own said arthur wringing his hands that you were wise and that we were foolish but oh do not think of our folly in the moment of our extremity be the gallant and generous champion which your cantons proclaim you give us your aid in this deadly strait but how or in what manner said rudolph still hesitating we have dismissed the baileys who were willing to have given assistance so much did your dutiful example weigh with us we are now scarce above a score of men how can you ask us to attack a garrison town secured by fortifications and where there are six times our number you have friends within the fortifications replied arthur i am sure you have hark in your ear the black priest sent to you to you rudolph donnerhugel of bern that he waits to give you his blessing at the northern sallyport ay doubtless said rudolph shaking himself free of arthur's attempt to engage him in private conference and speaking so that all around might hear him there is little doubt on it i will find a priest at the northern sallyport to confess and absolve me and a block axe and headsman to strike my throat asunder when he has done but i will scarce put the neck of my father's son into such risk if they assassinate an english peddler who has never offended them what will they do with the bear of burn whose fangs and talons archibald de hagenbach has felt ere now young philipson at these words clasped his hands together and held them up to heaven as one who abandons hope excepting thence the tears started to his eyes and clenching his hands and setting his teeth he turned his back abruptly upon the swiss what means this passion said rudolph whither would you now to rescue my father or perish with him said arthur and was about to run wildly back to la ferrette when a strong but kindly grasp detained him tarry a little till i tie my garter said sigismund biederman and i will go with you king arthur you oaf exclaimed rudolph you and without orders why look you cousin rudolph said the youth continuing with great composure to fasten his garter which after the fashion of the time was somewhat intricately secured you are always telling us that we are swiss and free men and what is the advantage of being a free man if one is not at liberty to do what he has a mind you are my hauptman look you so long as it pleases me and no longer and why shouldst thou desert me now thou fool why at this minute of all other minutes in the year demanded the bernese look you replied the insubordinate follower i have hunted with arthur for this month past and i love him he never called me fool or idiot because my thoughts came slower maybe and somewhat duller than those of other folk 
and i love his father the old man gave me this baldric and this horn which i warrant cost many a kreutzer he told me too not to be discouraged for that it was better to think justly than to think fast and that i had sense enough for the one if not for the other and the kind old man is now in hagenbach's butcher shambles but we will free him arthur if two men may thou shalt see me fight while steel blade and ashen shaft will hold together so saying he shook in the air his enormous partisan which quivered in his grasp like a slip of willow indeed if iniquity was to be struck down like an ox there was not one in that chosen band more likely to perform the feat than sigismund for though somewhat shorter in stature than his brethren and of a less animated spirit yet his breadth of shoulders and strength of muscles were enormous and if thoroughly aroused and disposed for the contest which was very rarely the case perhaps rudolph himself might as far as sheer force went have had difficulty in matching him truth of sentiment and energy of expression always produce an effect on natural and generous characters several of the youths around began to exclaim that sigismund said well that if the old man had put himself in danger it was because he thought more of the success of their negotiation than of his own safety and had taken himself from under their protection rather than involve them in quarrels on his account we are the more bound they said to see him unscathed and we will do so peace all you wiseacres said rudolph looking round with an air of superiority and you arthur of england pass on to the landamman who is close behind you know he is our chief commander he is no less your father's sincere friend and whatever he may determine in your father's favour you will find most ready executors of his pleasure in all of us his companions appeared to concur in this advice and young philipson saw that his own compliance with the recommendation was indispensable indeed although he still suspected that the bernese by his various intrigues as well with the swiss youth as with those of bale and as might be inferred from the priest of st paul's by communication even within the town of la ferrette possessed the greater power of assisting him at such a conjuncture yet he trusted far more in the simple candour and perfect faith of arnold biederman and pressed forward to tell to him his mournful tale and crave his assistance from the top of a bank which he reached in a few minutes after he parted from rudolph and the advanced guard he saw beneath him the venerable landamman and his associates attended by a few of the youths who no longer were dispersed upon the flanks of the party but attended on them closely and in military array as men prepared to repel any sudden attack 
behind came a mule or two with baggage together with the animals which in the ordinary course of their march supported anne of geierstein and her attendant both were occupied by female figures as usual and to the best of arthur's ken the foremost had the well-known dress of anne from the grey mantle to a small heron's plume which since entering germany she had worn in compliance with the custom of the country and in evidence of her rank as a maiden of birth and distinction yet if the youth's eyes brought him true tidings at present what was the character of their former information when scarce more than half an hour since they had beheld in the subterranean dungeon of brissac the same form which they now rested upon in circumstances so very different the feeling excited by this thought was powerful but it was momentary like the lightning which blazes through a midnight sky which is but just seen ere it vanishes into darkness or rather the wonder excited by this marvellous incident only maintained its ground in his thoughts by allying itself with the anxiety for his father's safety which was their predominant occupation if there be indeed a spirit he said which wears that beautiful form it must be beneficent as well as lovely and will extend to my far more deserving father the protection which his son has twice experienced but ere he had time to prosecute such a thought further he had met the landamman and his party here his appearance and his condition excited the same surprise as they had formerly occasioned to rudolph and the vanguard to the repeated interrogatories of the landamman he gave a brief account of his own imprisonment and of his escape of which he suffered the whole glory to rest with the black priest of st paul's without mentioning one word of the more interesting female apparition by which he had been attended and assisted in his charitable task on another point also arthur was silent he saw no propriety in communicating to arnold biederman the message which the priest had addressed to rudolph's ear alone whether good should come of it or no he held sacred the obligation of silence imposed upon him by a man from whom he had just received the most important assistance the landamman was struck dumb for a moment with sorrow and surprise at the news which he heard the elder philipson had gained his respect as well by the purity and steadiness of the principles which he expressed as by the extent and depth of his information which was peculiarly valuable and interesting to the switzer who felt his admirable judgment considerably fettered for want of that knowledge of countries times and manners with which his english friend often supplied him let us press forward he said to the banneret of Bern and the other deputies let us offer our mediation betwixt the tyrant de hagenbach and our friend whose life is in danger 
he must listen to us for i know his master expects to see this philipson at his court the old man hinted to me so much as we are possessed of such a secret archibald de hagenbach will not dare to brave our vengeance since we might easily send to duke charles information how the governor of la ferrette abuses his power in matters where not only the swiss but where the duke himself is concerned under your reverend favour my worthy sir answered the banneret of berne we are swiss deputies and go to represent the injuries of switzerland alone if we embroil ourselves with the quarrels of strangers we shall find it more difficult to settle advantageously those of our own country and if the duke should by this villainy done upon english merchants bring upon him the resentment of the english monarch such breach will only render it more a matter of peremptory necessity for him to make a treaty advantageous to the swiss cantons there was so much worldly policy in this advice that adam zimmerman of solur instantly expressed his assent with the additional argument that their brother biederman had told them scarce two hours before how these english merchants had by his advice and their own free desire parted company with them that morning on purpose that they might not involve the deputies in the quarrels which might be raised by the governor's exactions on his merchandise now what advantage he said shall we derive from this same parting of company supposing as my brother seems to urge we are still to consider this englishman's interest as if he were our fellow-traveller and under our especial protection this personal reasoning pinched the landamman somewhat closely for he had but a short while before descanted on the generosity of the elder philipson who had freely exposed himself to danger rather than that he should embarrass their negotiation by remaining one of their company and it completely shook the fealty of the white-bearded nicholas bonstetten whose eyes wandered from the face of zimmerman which expressed triumphant confidence in his argument to that of his friend the landamman which was rather more embarrassed than usual brethren said arnold at length with firmness and animation i erred in priding myself upon the worldly policy which i taught to you this morning this man is not of our country doubtless but he is of our blood a copy of the common creator's image and the more worthy of being called so as he is a man of integrity and worth we might not without grievous sin pass such a person being in danger without affording him relief even if he lay accidentally by the side of our path much less should we abandon him if the danger has been incurred in our own cause and that we might escape the net in which he is himself caught be not therefore downcast we do god's will in succouring an oppressed man if we succeed 
by mild means as i trust we shall we do a good action at a cheap rate if not god can assert the cause of humanity by the hands of few as well as of many if such is your opinion said the bannerman of burn not a man here will shrink from you for me i pleaded against my own inclinations when i advised you to avoid a breach with the burgundian but as a soldier i must needs say i would rather fight the garrison were they double the number they talk of in a fair field than undertake to storm their defences nay said the landamman i sincerely hope we shall both enter and depart from the town of brissac without deviating from the pacific character with which our mission from the diet invests us End of chapter fifteen